The following Pay Joseph Prince Ministries program is brought to you by our Grace Legacy Builders. Today with Joseph Prince. How does one become safe? You put your trust in Christ completely for your salvation, that He did everything. His blood cleanses you. You put no trust in your efforts. The revelation that Joseph Prince preaches about communion has just completely revolutioned my life. And as I see Jesus on that cross, he doesn't have rheumatoid arthritis, neither do I. I feel so good to be pain-free. Every day was so painful until I got freedom. If the gospel of grace has impacted your life, I would like to invite you to join us as a Grace Legacy Builder. Let's advance the gospel of grace together. Visit the link on your screen to be part of leaving a legacy of grace today. Thank you, Jesus. Today I want to share with you something that uh, is one of the biggest questions that people will always bring up when it comes to the gospel of grace, even among believers. I've touched on this uh, topic a number of times. I have alluded to it, you know, real quick, many a times. But this time I feel like it demands a message by itself to answer this question. You know, when you preach the gospel of grace, you know, the, the slander and the calumny that people bring against the gospel of grace is amazing. It's almost like you can preach the law and no one is stirred. Amen. You can even preach what kind of food to eat, Jewish dietary laws, and people are happy. But when you touch on, on grace, it's almost like the flesh of man, you know, pretending to God holiness. Okay? Cannot take grace. Because grace gives all the glory to Jesus and none to men. Amen. And in heaven one day, it's going to be worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb only. Not worthy is the Lamb and secretly, and me. You know? Because we're always talking about God's part, man's part. God's part, man's part. God's part, man's part. Man has his part to play. You know, people like to say man's part. But the problem is that when you say that, what happens is that your, your focus is on man's part to play. It is amazing how we can snatch legalism out of a simple passage of grace even. For example, I was just sharing with the pastors the other day that people with legalistic eyes eyeglasses, when they read the Bible, they will see the prodigal son who took one step home and the father ran towards him. The father kissed him. The father, you know, just a, a, a laugh on him. And the father says, bring forth the best robe. The father did everything. The father said everything. The, fa- the son only said, father, I've sinned. All right. But the father kept on, you know, just ignoring his words and just loving him. Amen. Instead of the father, we focus on the son. Yeah, but he took one step. It's an important step. Let's focus on the step. It's not the teaching the step. The, fa- the son saw the goodness of the father and his house and the generosity of the father's heart. Amen. His step was a response. That's where you get the word responsibility. Amen. When you, when you see something good, then you respond. Amen. Amen. Can I have a good amen? Husbands, love your wife. Wife, submit. Submission is a response to the love of the husband. No one say amen to that. Yeah. Y'all women, y'all had a chance to say yes right there and shout amen. Praise God. Amen? So the thing is this. All right, it's amazing how we can look at some grace and we say, Jesus did everything at the cross. He went through hell to deliver us from hell. 
that we may have heaven on earth, heaven in our hearts, amen, love, joy, peace, the abundant life that money cannot buy, all the riches in this world cannot buy, the life more abundant, the full life, amen, and we just have to receive it, ah, yeah, yeah, you see, you have to receive it, but you see, some people's receiving is not strong, pastor, all right, faith is the hand that takes, so we look at the hand, we look at the hand, and all the while is focusing on Jesus until when you take, you're not even so, not even conscious that you're taking. Amen. If you have a picture of the Lord giving to you, let me tell you this, most people take. I know Singaporeans. If they know it's a free gift, hand it out to them. I know most of them will take. Amen. So we are not stupid, are we? Okay, but the thing is that the failure therefore lies Unfortunately, many a times in the pulpit, we have not elucidated, we have not, you know, elaborated on in detail the work of Jesus on the cross, how beautiful He is. Amen. Love is awakened when we see how beautiful Jesus is. Faith, all right, springs eternal when we see the finished work. Can I have a good amen? Praise the Lord. Ladies, I know that you have put works to your faith you go shopping the moment your husband says, all right, over the phone, hey, we have just become millionaires. Amen. Next, uh, uh, they talk about corresponding actions of faith. Next thing you do, you go shopping. Amen. Someone stops you and says, are you practicing faith? You say, what? Are you practicing faith? You say, what is that? Uh, you are, you're actually going shopping because you're acting like you're prosperous, right? No, no, I am prosperous. My husband just called me and I know my husband will not lie. All right, he told me that we just made millions. So my first action is to go shopping. But now you call it an action. I didn't realize it was an action of faith. It was just a response. Ladies understand that. But then we scrutinize it. You see, if you hear a word from God, you must have works. You must have works. We never told the lady when she heard that her husband made millions that she must have works. She flowed in works. Amen. Amen. Faith is like a blank check that God gives us. Amen. We, you know, it all depends on how rich the person issuing the check is. And the bank of heaven, God's check is inexhaustible. Exhaustless. Amen. So we sign it. Why? Because we are the bride of Christ. When we married Jesus, hey, you know, everything that belongs to him is ours. That's why we say, in the name of Jesus, demon, leave this person, signing the check. And Jesus enforces it. Amen. amen. We say, in the name of Jesus, be healed. And Jesus enforces it. Can I have a good amen? I mean, you ladies understand that. You know, you take your husband's uh, checkbook or whatever, and you, you know, I mean, your, 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 your husband's resources, rather. You don't want to sign, uh, you know, illegally. But when you sign legally, all right, you sign based on your husband's resources. I mean, nothing stops you. You don't stop and say, now this is an act of faith. <sighs> I believe I have enough faith to believe that my husband is resourced. No, no, because you know your husband. So let's get to know the Lord. That our faith becomes unconscious. Can I have a good amen? Praise God. All right. This question that begs an answer is a question that many earnest souls all right, sincere believers have battled with. Whenever they hear grace, many people are sincere. They ask the question, what about this verse? What about this passage? 
So I want to touch on this passage, preach on it, and uh, free you from all the, the stumbling blocks. You know, one of my ministries is to uh, dissolve doubts, you know. If you read the Daniel's gift, one of the, uh, Daniel in the Bible, one of Daniel's gift is dissolving of doubts. And I prayed that many years ago. I don't know why that particular phrase, dissolving of doubts, the king said to Daniel, dissolving of doubts is in you. He's able to dissolve doubts, all right? It's a gift. So I asked God for the gift many years ago, all right? And uh, I, I enjoy seeing believers uh, have their doubts dissolved. <laughs> Amen. Their obstacles removed. Amen. And all the stumbling blocks taken out of the way. Okay? So today we're going to remove this big stumbling block that has caused sincere souls to be stumbled. Amen. And it is this question. What about Hebrews 6? How many heard that question before? Wave. What about Hebrews 6? Okay, just wave. Don't be shy. Just wave. What about Hebrews 6? All right, you read Hebrews 6 and you're wondering what is, what is going on. All right, let's read Hebrews 6 first and then you understand what's going on. All right, as we go on. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened... Keep the word impossible in mind, okay? It is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and have become partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come. If they shall fall away, it is impossible to renew them again to repentance. That's the idea there. Okay? Since they crucify again for themselves the Son of God and put Him to an open shame. It's impossible to renew them to repentance. Now, there must be an answer here because whatever it is, we must be consistent with Scripture. Let me just tell you this. All Scriptures are profitable. All right, don't be afraid of uh, passages that seems a bit obscure, all right, and uh, don't, don't shun them. Wait on the Lord because all Scripture is designed to build you up, to strengthen you, to comfort you. There are scriptures, these are scriptures of warning, amen? But this warning, we can learn from it as well. But don't forget, we must always interpret scripture by the anointing of the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that teaches us all things, amen? Amen, we don't, we don't run to this teacher, this leader, that man, whatever. And uh, we go to the Word of God, we let the Holy Spirit show us. All right, down to the years, I've had this uh, brought up to me. And I just kind of wish that I have more time to elaborate. And finally, I said, I just got to make time on a Sunday to do this. Amen. It's going to help answer lots of questions. If you're not uh, familiar with this passage, let me tell you this. Whatever arguments and whatever uh, divine reasonings we're going to bring up, okay, during this course of uh, teaching, you're going to prepare yourself to answer some questions that other believers may ask you. Amen. In a, in a way, New Creation Church, whether we call it or not, we're actually a school. This, this, this church, you know, many of you, you come every Sunday, you don't realize you are in school. Amen. We are in the school of the Holy Spirit. And the things that you learn many a times, you know, the only thing that we don't give you long, long, long assignments, okay, essays and all that for you to fill in. Amen. The result is that lives transform. God has ordained by the foolishness of preaching to sozo. It's amazing. God has ordained that by the foolishness of preaching, all of heaven's goods that Jesus purchased for us is all at the disposal of God's people via, through the means of preaching. Amen. For example, the Bible says, did you receive the Holy Spirit? Galatians 3. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by the works of the law? By works ergon in, in Greek. 
effort, lots of effort, strenuous work, by works of the law or by the hearing of faith. Now, many people say works are more important than hearing. You don't just hear and hear. But the Bible says it's by the hearing that you receive the Holy Spirit. Everybody that received the Holy Spirit under Paul's ministry, all right, none of them were perfect. None of them were people that kept the law perfectly. So Paul challenged them. Did you receive the Holy Spirit? In other words, under my ministry? Because you kept all the law or because of the hearing of faith? Then the next question, God that ministers to you the Spirit and works miracles among you? How many want God to keep on working miracles in your family, in your life, in your career? Come on. It says very clearly in Galatians 3, God that ministers and the word ministers there and working miracles is a constant. It's a present tense. God that constantly ministers to you the Spirit and constantly works miracles among you, does God do it by the works of your, your works of law or by the hearing of faith? It seems to indicate like without the hearing of faith, God doesn't supply. God has limited himself by the preaching of the word to supply his people. Amen. That goes to show where you go, where, who you sit under is very important. Amen. It can mean between life and death. Yeah, right. Can I have a good amen? amen. Alright, so make sure you attend churches. Alright, this is not the only church. There are many good churches that preach the gospel. Amen. amen. And be careful who you listen to. If anyone rob you of your blessed assurance, and there are people who make fun of that, 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 that wonderful hymn, Blessed Assurance. God wants us to have blessed assurance. And you'll see later on, God wants us to have strong assurance. Amen? So let's dive right into it. So we see that this is a warning scripture. Okay, let's not be afraid of it. So let's, let's look at it. First and foremost, what book is this under? Hebrews. Say it. Hebrews. Who are the Hebrews? The Jewish people. Alright? Now, it's also written for us, but it's not written to us. It is written for us, in the sense it's for our benefit. But it is also, don't forget, it was directly written to the Hebrews. Alright? Let me prove to you, from the very beginning of the book of Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1, God, who at various times, in various ways, spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken unto us by His Son, whom He has appointed heir of all things, through whom also He made the worlds. Now stop. God, who at various times and various ways spoke in time past to the fathers. Now, fathers here, whose fathers? Yeah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. It is not your father, it is not my father. Amen? So he's writing to people who are Jewish people, you understand? All right? He's telling them, God, the true God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Abraham, Isaac, Jacob are the fathers, as well as all the other fathers. So keep the, the book in its context. All right? He's writing to Jewish people, all right, who are, listen carefully, they are not believers. All of them are not believers in the sense that they are born again. But they have, these Jewish people, they have a mental ascent that Jesus is the Messiah. Many of them, this was written about AD 63 or AD 64, according to scholars. In AD 70, the temple was burned down. So about approximately seven years before the temple was burned down, Paul wrote the book of Hebrews, and I believe Paul is the author. So Paul wrote the book of Hebrews, okay, to warn them. And many of them believe Jesus is the Messiah. But they also go to the temple. They still offer temple sacrifices. They are not believing all the way to the point of new birth, to the point of regeneration. They have a mental ascent. Yeah, Jesus, they are checking him out first. Amen. 
So Paul is writing to them and telling them, and many a times he will address them almost as if they have come so close, more close than any sinner. And yet not all the way. Okay, listen carefully. The book of Hebrews is a beautiful book. It is a book of more of compassed, or sorry, not contrast than compare. Okay? For example, it's more of a contrast. Jesus compared to the angels in chapter 1 of Hebrews chapter 2. Jesus is better than the angels. Jesus compared to um, uh, Moses in chapter 3 of Hebrews. Jesus is better than Moses. Why? Moses was a servant in the house. Jesus is the son in the house. Law came through Moses. Grace came through the son. Never forget that. Some people make Moses more superior than Jesus. They make law more superior than grace. You cannot. The moment Hagar tried to take over Abraham's house, out she goes. All right? So, now, listen. Chapter 4 talks about Jesus giving us a better rest than Joshua. Joshua brought them to a physical land, but Jesus gave us the life more abundant, the spiritual land that flows with milk and honey called salvation. Amen. That affects our temporal life and the life to come. Amen. So, he's better than Joshua in Hebrews 4. Then Hebrews 5. It tells us very clearly. All right, Hebrews 5, Hebrews 6. He's better than Aaron. He's a better high priest than Aaron. Aaron died. Jesus cannot die. Aaron can be an unselfish priest watching over your needs, but he's getting very old and he dies. Jesus will never grow old. He will never die. He watches over your needs forever. He watches over you forever. He lives under the power of an endless life. So in chapter 7, all right, it's also comparing the old promises or old covenant. We have better promises. Amen. On and on and on. We have a better covenant, better promises. Amen. Amen. Until even in Hebrews 12, the great hall of faith, they put all the heroes of faith of the Old Testament. David is there. Abraham is there. Moses is there. Jacob is there. All of them there. And it says, God provided something better for us. It's through Jesus Christ, the author and finisher of faith. So remember the book of Hebrews is a focus on Jesus. Amen. It's all about Jesus and our blessings, our inheritance, our riches because of Jesus. So now we come to Hebrews 6. Okay, do you know, number one, that actually there are two words for impossible, for it is impossible. See the word impossible? For those who were once enlightened. Now, many people, when they say Hebrews 6, what about those in Hebrews 6? They fell away. So they take it as these are believers who fell away and there's no place for repentance. Now, the funny thing is this. Those who believe that these are believers, in other words, they are born again. In other words, they are saying that you can be born again and you can lose your salvation tomorrow. All right? That's what they are saying. These people who use this passage to preach that you can lose your salvation, all right? Then you come under conviction and under fear. Then they open up the pulpit for you to come forward. But if you read this scripture carefully, it says it's impossible If you fall into this category, it's impossible to renew you to repentance. And yet they tell you at the end you can repent. So it's obvious, all right? Right now, let me just assure you, Christians, believers can fall away. Yes, they can, what do you call, backslide, fall from grace, all right? But when you come back to the Lord, all right, there is always abundance. 
There is always His goodness. There's always His uh, heart and His kisses. You understand that? There's no such thing as a believer gone so far in sin, he cannot go, go back. It's impossible for him to repent. No. This is a special category, and I'll tell you why. To fulfill this category, these people must first, they are once enlightened. Enlightened. Enlightened is short of regeneration. You can be enlightened. You can be sitting down here, all right, listen to me preach. At the end, you leave the place and you say, I'm enlightened. All right, I know more about Jesus now. And, and you know what? Uh, maybe he's the son of God. Maybe he's not the son of God. He, but I think he's a Jewish Messiah. All right, you're a Jewish person, whatever it is. That doesn't save you. You are now enlightened. Enlightenment is amazing. You know, just because someone is not safe, but he's enlightened doesn't mean, okay, that there's no moral effects. You look at uh, the nations of Europe ever since the Reformation. The Reformation is when Martin Luther stood up and says, the just shall live by faith. He restored the gospel of grace, amen, to the church. And since then, you mark, since the Reformation, what happened to Europe? The nations of Europe experienced because they received, because they received the Bible, just by receiving the Bible, whether they are saved or not, the preaching of the gospel went throughout Europe. The ref, the, all the Reformation preachers went around Europe because part of Reformation beliefs is that you must go out and preach and win souls, amen. So they went throughout the nations. Some people were safe, some people were not safe. Whether they were safe or not, the very fact the nations receive the Bible, all right, has a moral effect, has an enlightening. It causes that nation to progress. I'm telling you, church, where the true gospel has been preached. Whether people believe or not, even those who don't believe, there's a moral effect. It's called enlightening. Enlightening is short of regeneration. You are enlightened, but you got to believe all the way. Amen. Believe in Christ all the way. You understand? Is it clear? All right? Now, Saul, the first king of Israel, was he enlightened that God is a true God? Yes. Saul, the first king of Israel, did he prophesy? Yes. But you know something? He lost it all. Okay, a better person, a better example is Judas Iscariot. Judas followed Jesus everywhere. Was he a disciple? Yes. Now, the Bible says Jesus' disciples came back after they cast out devils and healed the sick. And they say, even the devils are subject unto us through your name. Jesus says, don't rejoice in this. Rejoice, your names are written, right? Remember that? So the disciples cast out devils. Are you listening, people? All the disciples cast out devils. They healed the sick. Are all the disciples saved? They are disciples, but are they saved? Have they been born again before Jesus died? They cannot because Jesus has not yet died. The price for your new birth has not been paid. So all the disciples, they were followers. They were disciples, but they don't possess eternal life. When Jesus rose from the dead, do you still remember? Judas wasn't there. He hung himself. Jesus saw his disciples. What did he do? He breathed. He says, receive the Holy Spirit. That's when they were born again. Then later on on the day of Pentecost, they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Are you listening, people? All right? So they were followers before Jesus died. They were disciples, but they were not born again. They were not regenerated. Okay? Are you regenerated? Yes. Are you truly, truly, truly born again? Yes. 
Are you safe? Yes. Amen. In the world, you have a penalty, then there's a safe. But here we are safe first, so there's no penalty. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Okay? Are you safe? Yes. Truly safe. Yes. How does one become safe? You put your trust in Christ completely for your salvation. That He did everything. His blood cleanses you. You put no trust in your efforts. Are negative thoughts causing you to feel trapped in a cycle of defeat, guilt, fear, and maybe even addiction? Find out how you can overcome the trap of negativity with Joseph Prince's book, 100 Days of Right Believing. Yours for a gift of any amount to the ministry. Kickstart your journey to a life of joy, peace, and freedom from emotional bondages that weigh you down. For the next 100 days, this book will help you replace negative thoughts with the truth of God's Word. Each daily experience includes a scripture, key truth, inspiring thought, and prayer to help propel you to a life of victory. For a gift of $75 or more, we'll also send you two additional teaching resources to help you walk confidently in the fullness of life that God has intended for you. When you request a resource from Joseph Prince Ministries, your gift goes directly to reaching even more people who need to hear the message of grace. Because of you, we can continue to share the good news of our Lord Jesus and transform lives all around the world. To get your copy of 100 Days of Right Believing and bring the gospel to those who need to hear it most, visit us at josephprince.org or call us toll free at 877-901-4300. If you're watching this and are battling discouragement, anxiety, or depression, I want to pray for you right now. Would you put your hand on your heart as I pray for you? Father in heaven, I pray for the hearts that are anxious and fearful and for the hearts that have been hurt deeply. Touch and heal them right now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Release into these precious hearts and minds a vision of hope and a positive expectation of good in their future. I command the spirit of discouragement, the spirit of depression and the spirit of fear to leave God's people right now in Jesus' name. Now, Holy Spirit, pour into every heart a tangible sense of God's love. Be Thou their wonderful peace and shalom well-being, guarding their hearts in every storm. In Jesus' name, Amen. Now, just thank the Lord and know that He's always with you to help you. I encourage you to keep tuning in to our broadcast to hear how much the Lord loves you. And you can watch our program online at josephprince.tv. It is a great platform to consume the gospel and strengthen your heart with the promises of God daily. And with josephprince.tv, you can watch our broadcast on all your devices 24-7. Sign up for an account today and we'll send you an encouraging teaching resource as my gift to you. God bless you. Next on Joseph Prince. Jesus said to the woman at the well, and the water that I shall give the person. All right? Whoever drinks this water, the natural well, will thirst again. But whoever drinks the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. Help us proclaim the life-changing gospel of grace far and wide. Join us as a Grace Legacy Builder. You can make a real difference in the lives of many today. Visit josephprince.org or call 877-901-4300 to find out more. 
Joseph Prince Ministries is a Section 501c3 nonprofit organization, and your gift is tax deductible for the amount that exceeds any fair market value of the materials you receive from us. program is brought to you by our Grace Legacy Builders. Thank you for helping us proclaim the gospel of grace around the world.